Greetings to the wisdom community. I'm Reverend Jay Glover, and I, I thank God for another opportunity to engage with the community in conversation around faith, issues of faith. And I, I don't intend this to be a, uh, a platform for my preaching. Um, so I invite you to join with me today uh, around the conversation around uh, are we, the topic is, are we burying our gifts in the ground? Uh, there's a scripture that um, comes to mind and it comes from the, the Gospel of Matthew. And, and the, um, it's the 25th chapter in Matthew, verses uh, 24 and 25 reads like this. I'll read it. it. says, Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So uh, right away, we see some very interesting things packaged in this small portion of scripture. One of those things that we see is that, we will see is that our perception of God determines how we actually serve. So let me just start out by saying that this story from the 25th chapter of Matthew was was written a long time ago, and it, it still speaks to us today as believers. And it speaks to us as followers of Christ. It speaks to us individually and collectively as the church. Now, I believe that God is compassionate and merciful, and, and uh, I believe God is sovereign. He's holy. He's righteous. And, and justice is in his hands. Um, we do know that Jesus was crucified on a cross, raised from the dead, and reappear to many, and we also know that he's coming back again. But today, I just want to remind us that we've also been given something of great value. The, the person in the story was given something referred to as talents, right? But it's the, the parable from the 25th chapter of Matthew is, is sometimes referred to as the parable of the talents. And we also have been given something. I believe that God has graced us with gifts intended for the edification of the body of Christ and for the betterment of humanity. The gifts that we receive are, are not for our self-consumption and they certainly are not to just lay idle. God didn't bless us with gifts for them not to be used. The, the gifts that we are blessed with are certainly not to be buried in the ground. So. I said that, yeah, I believe that God is come. Jesus is coming back again. And so it becomes this for uh, our um, attention should be drawn to the fact that while we are waiting for his glorious return, um, we should remember that we've been entrusted with being the church in the world and, and that the world that we live in has certainly demonstrated the frailty of the human condition. The world in which we live has become filled with corruption and sickness, injustice, exploitation, poverty, hatred, and ungodly violence that takes innocent lives far too often. In the middle of all of this chaos, we, I believe the church, have been charged as ambassadors of Christ. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means that we are to be the body of Christ in this world. 
We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we await his glorious return. And, and we are called upon to be good stewards and caretakers of the gifts that God has given us as we await his return. I'm gonna give you a, a little shameless plug right here. I want you to please uh, check out the website. It's www.reverendjstewardglover.com. And it, there's a, um, you may find these talks there as well as some other interesting things and some blog writings and, and, and what have you. So the context in which the, we find this passage is this. Jesus had just taught about the signs of the end of the age and, and he's where he's talking about the, the return of Christ. He, you know, this, this chapter is, is uh, the 24th chapter and the 25th chapter are uh, packed with, with um, eschatological discourse, discussion around the end times. So he's talking about the return of Christ and he continues to say that that day and the hour is unknown. Um, he shares, uh, parables and then talks about these um, the, these end time events and then we arrive at this selected portion of scripture that we have today which is known as the parable of the talents. We know that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So I'm going to just look at um, Matthew the 25th chapter and the 14th verse to kind of um, lead into <clears throat> what I'm getting at in this story. And, and as I get there if you um, if you're familiar with this with this story, please come in and, and let me hear your thoughts on it. It reads this way: Matthew 25, the 14th verse says, "Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability." Then he went on his journey. Well, I must say that right away in this story, I'm reminded that Jesus has also gone away in the physical sense. In, in his physical absence, we've also been entrusted, as I said, with being his hands and feet in this world. So he, he graced us with gifts that we are to be good stewards over. And, and we have been entrusted with um, putting those gifts to use in this world. So some, some translations translate this, these talents as money, some as gold. The, the important thing to note is that what was given to the servants by the master had great value. Now, you know, we've been entrusted with representing and carrying the image of God in this world. And he gives us the gifts that enable and empower us to do so. These gifts are of much value, as they say. So um, the gifts in this story, the, the talents which are, are, which are um, distributed um, were received and, and each of the three persons were given a different amount. Uh, the Bible says that the, the talents were distributed according to one's ability. And each of the men handled the talents in their own way. One person in verse 16 to 18 says the man who received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. That means he invested it. He got five more. And also the one with two gained two more. 
But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Well, this is a, a well-known and familiar story. The question becomes, what can we learn from, what can we learn from the man who buried his talents in the ground? And not only what can we learn from him, and we can also ask, why did this man act differently than the others? So now, I, I, um, I remind you again that I don't intend for this to be a preaching platform. I, I welcome all the people that are here. Um, um, and you know, this, this question, although I'm speaking from the lens of Christianity and we're using the, the, the biblical text as an example, the source for this story, um, this idea, this concept is, is not restricted to Christianity, or I mean, it, it's applicable across all faith traditions. It's even applicable to the to the non-religious. So, let's see. I have Katie, Michael Bell, Tony Mustello, Nikita Grant, uh, Greg Dalling, and Brittany Irwin, Patty Coughlin, and Marianne Baker, Robert Hanna, Clint Edward, Teresa Smith. There, there are there are a few people on here. And again, I'm inviting you to join this conversation. Um, and it's really about um, what I'm getting at here is that our perception of God will affect or influence how we actually, actually serve God. So the question was, why did this third person, why did he act different than all the others? So if we just go back to the story, starting with verse 19, it reads in this way. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Uh, the man who received the five talents brought another five and, and master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master <clears throat> replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Again, that means that he, he took the talent and he invested it and, and he got two more. And he brings it to the master and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Well, I know that when Jesus comes back, we would all like to hear these wonderful words of affirmation, well done, good and faithful servant. But before we get too excited, let, let's take a closer look at the third man. And as we get to the third man, we find a turning point in the story. And now I know somebody out there is familiar with this story. I want to hear your thoughts on it. And if you're not familiar with the story, just listen in and maybe we can gather something from it. So the man who received the one talent, this is the third person. 
He came, Master, he said, I, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So, so I was afraid and, and went out and hid your talent in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. This is a great tragedy that rises from this text. So in answer to this question, what can we learn from the man who buried his talents in the ground and, and why did the man act differently than the others? Please hear me on this. The servant who hid his talents in the ground had a strange perception of the master. He claimed to know something about the master. And the reason why I say that is because he said, I know you are a hard man. He was actually saying that he perceived the master as being harsh, severe, rough, fierce, stern, violent, offensive, and intolerable. He didn't stop there. He, he reached deep into the dark crevices of his imaginative mind, and he comes up with this. He points a, a judgmental finger at the master and begins to slander his character, the character of the master. He already said, I know you are a hard man. Now he accuses him of harvesting where you have not sown. And we think, well, what does that mean? That means that this man understood the master to be a man who benefited from work that he did not do. In his mind, the master gained his wealth from the dreadful exploitation of others. So then he continues with this accusatory slander and he continues to express his perception of the master by accusing the master of gathering where you have not scattered seed and this would be simply corruption injustice exploitation an outright criminal theft, taking something that doesn't belong to you. So, in the context of this story and, and thinking about it, without a doubt, this story points to the danger of what I would like to refer to as an inadequate Christology. What do I mean by that? Well, it's relevant in today's world. The story reminds me of the danger of a misguided, misinformed, and the many misinterpretations that we have about Jesus and God. You know, so the question I have for this audience today is, um, have we been exposed to erroneous teachings of what it means to be a follower of Christ? 
or in your own God construct, have you been misinformed or, or perhaps taught some things that move your, uh, your perception of God in a, in a strange direction? You know, have we been misinformed by preachers and teachers or misled by, you know, some speakers that have a lot of religious cliches, but what they're actually getting at the underlying theology and ideologies are far removed from the person of Jesus? Have we embraced a theology, a perception of God that is far removed from the person of Jesus? In some cases, we've created a God that clearly misrepresents the attributes, character, and the will of God the Father. In the story that we looked at, since the man didn't really know the character of the master, he didn't know how to use what he had been given, and he buried it in the ground. He he said, I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground and see what here, see here is what belongs to you. We noticed that he was afraid and he hid his gift. What was entrusted to him, he hid it in the ground. My question today, have we been entrusted? Have we been given gifts that we are burying in the ground out of fear, out of uh, uh, misperception of the one who gave us the gifts? And out of our own uh, selfishness or uh, isolation from community. Again, in my opening, I said that gifts are given to us for the edification and the betterment of the body of Christ and, and, and for the betterment of humanity. So we know from this story that the master was greatly displeased with the mindset and the actions of the man. As a matter of fact, in response, to, to the presentation by the third man, the Bible says his master replied, and this is in the 26th verse, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. My goodness, those are certainly words that I don't want to hear at the coming of Christ. So what can we learn from all of this? I'm using this story as an illustration to make a point. And the point is this, if we have a misinformed, a fabricated, a distorted view of who God is and what he has done, if we have uh, uh, these poor images of God embedded in our minds from, from our youth, this misguided perception of Jesus can lead to the irresponsible stewardship over the gifts that God has given us. In some cases, we we don't understand the gifts or how they are to be used. Now I'm I'm speaking, I'll remind us of a a, a portion of scripture that comes from the, the Romans 12th chapter. We're informed it says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, 
let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So God gives each of us gifts, more than the ones I just mentioned. The, the list is endless. Do you have gifts that God has given you? And how do we use them? Or do we bury them in the ground? You know, some of us have the gift of time, talent, and resources. Maybe you have all three. Maybe you have one. God graces us with the gift of patience, fortitude, courage, generosity, discipline, peace, clarity, strength. He gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these gifts need to be nurtured and put to use. Second Peter, the, the first chapter in verses, the third verse says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I like where it says our knowledge of him. The person in the story who, who made all these accusations against the master had a poor knowledge of the one who gave him the gifts, a poor perception of God. So here comes the challenge, the holding back of these gifts that God has given us is the equivalent uh, of burying them in the ground, of the talent being buried in the ground when we hold back our gifts. Any one of those things I mentioned, if you're not offering them to the communities in which you reside, then it's equivalent to burying your gift in the ground. The servant who buried his gift in the ground, he kept it in a way that could not be shared. It could not be put to work. It lied dormant, covered with dirt. It was invisible to the world. Goodness gracious, it lied covered with the dirt. My hope today is that our gifts don't lie covered in dirt. So the gifts that were buried were invisible to the world. It had no strategic purpose and it served to benefit no one. So for us today, this story represents the hiding and the misuse of what God has given us for the betterment of the world in which we live. So, so far we have explored how our misperceptions about Jesus can lead to the uh, irresponsible stewardship of the gifts that God has given so I, I'm asking this listening audience if anybody has any um, perceptions of God that maybe they were taught about from a child or, or wonder about or still hold in their hearts and their minds that they wrestle with that maybe have been harmful to, to your development as a person or how, or how the you know, how the our perceptions of God, the image of God 
Has it been harmful to you that you've been given through your youth and your development? Is it harmful to you? Or have people presented this image of God to you in a harmful way that harms you and others? You know, do we do we see God as a a, a uh, judge? Yes, but do we see God as a as a uh, as a as a um, one who is the source of condemnation for you? You know, do you see God as being one who's sitting on the throne waiting to send you to hell? You know, do you see God as a punisher? As a, as a rule maker, somebody who's sitting on a celestial throne with a score pad of your personal activities and he's keeping track. And as every time you mess up, he, that's one, one point down. And when you do something good, that's one point up. And at the end of the day, he's gonna tally up the score and decide your fate. Is that how you see God? Do you see God as, as only as a way to avoid going to hell? Or do you see God as, a, as being close to you? So close that he can live within you. So close as a friend. Do you see God as being uh, the author of your salvation? Do you see him as the God of justice? Do we have an image of God as being a healer? God who loves me. God who walks with me and talks with me. God who's close to me. Do we see God as being one who knows all about our struggles? The, the image that we have of God is certainly influences how we respond to God in our service to God through our service to humanity. Well, if we've been developing a misguided perception and a poor image of God, how can we strive towards having a more accurate perception of who God is? Well, now I had said earlier that I didn't want this to be a preaching platform. So if y'all are ready, you can come on in anytime you like. How do we, how can we, um, again, I'm looking for you to talk about maybe the gifts you have, how you use them, and maybe a poor image of God that's been presented to you as an, that you carry as, the, as an embedded theology from your youth. The question is, how can we, I have a guest coming in. His name is Todd Martin, and, and I welcome Todd and look forward to hearing what Todd has to say. So welcome, Todd Martin. Hello, Reverend. How are you? Oh, I am doing so well today. It is good. Thank you for coming in. You I, was one, I was wondering if people were um, inspired in any way um, by, yeah. this, by this talk. Yeah, I think... Um, I think this actually this subject is a is a great place I think for um, at least the way that things are going around the world to nowadays um, is actually a great place to start um, is 
And I think one of the things that helped me come to a, <clears throat> a better understanding of, um, or the beginning of discernment was um, my first understanding um, of who God really was. Like Amen. seeking that out rather than necessarily um, even just how salvation played in, came into play because, because I had to understand um, my place in relationship or his, his, <clears throat> my place in relationship to who he was mm-hmm. and who he, and who he is. And to put it, uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me was, um, one of the first attributes that I understood and that made so much sense to me and started to put things into perspective was understanding that, that who God was, that God Actually, if he was going, if, if I'm going to worship God, because there's plenty of gods that we create, and if, there's the, if it is the one and only true God, that he would have to exist outside of time and creation, outside mm-hmm. of space, and that all of those things, if not, then I would have to find a bigger God. Right. If I was just worshiping a God of thunder or the God of the sun or, you know, what of, of created things, right. Then I would constantly have to make God bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. to understand who he was, who the true, if there, if he is one and only God, the God that, that, you know, was before all God mm-hmm. of what of, of one gods we make, um, that he had to have certain attributes. He had to, he couldn't, he couldn't have been born or created by something else that he had to actually be always, like he had to be from the beginning, from the beginning. And, and when I got that understanding of that, then it begins the process of, um, understanding my place in that and not making me a God. Right. And, um, and understanding my need and my inability, I'm not suffice, sure. and I'm not someone who can do. Um, I can't. There's no. There's a lot that I can't do, but um, but uh, but that who can? Right. And 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 my need for like you then coming to an understanding of of my lacking and my need for for the Creator. So Todd, so, that was that was really beautiful. Um, I want to ask you if you could just explain what you mean. If somebody was listening, um, you use the word discernment. Mm-hmm. Could you just give a brief, you know, like, what do you mean by that when it comes to God? Um, so being able, being able to, um, having discernment would be, um, having the ability and, and coming to an understanding of having enough knowledge to, to, to decipher what is true and what is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, to look at something and go, you know, that doesn't, you know, I can, I can, when, I think whenever I come to an understanding of knowing that I'm not all knowing. Right. And realizing that that the God of, of all things has to, if he was the creator of all things, then 
he wouldn't have created something that was out that was a contradiction to diction to what who he is mm-hmm. right it's a revelation of who he is mm-hmm. and so i can look at scripture i can look at at the written word and i can distort things because knowing my heart i want to make things about me right and if i understand that it's really not about me and that um and that i have the understanding of of if that this is if, if the word written word is to be true then it would have to align with his natural revelation mm-hmm. so what he's revealed in nature and in his creation tells us about him amen right so amen. the same as like an architecture so if, they, if i'm looking at a building and i see the building that is made a certain way it tells me something about the guy who made the building right That's and it's the right. same thing with yeah it's the same thing with creation That's so right. I look at creation. I spend my time. So, Reverend, I spend my time in nature all the time. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> um, but you know what you uh, said what you said reminds me of something. You know, I, I read a um, an example of this. And you know, you're talking about through nature you can you can get the the message from the yeah. creator, right? And uh-huh. and somebody put it like this. When somebody gives you a bouquet of roses, it tells you something. They have an unspoken message to the person receiving those messages and hopefully it's a message of love. Yeah. Um and and you know you they don't have to hand you a letter or even a card identifying, you know, a communication uh of their 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 message to you, but just by receiving those that beautiful bouquet of roses, you know that this person has a love for you. And so it is with when we gaze upon the beauty of the creation that we find in nature. Um you know, it's like God gives give, has given us a, a a bouquet of roses with with his with a a card that says I love you. Mhm. Well, and you know, I think the I think where discernment comes in is coming to an understanding um and I think this is where it becomes very confusing for a a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um in 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 your walk because it was confusing for me at different times too mm-hmm. but um uh coming to an understanding of evil mm-hmm. um the question of evil and and so was he the creator of evil too because if he's the creator of all things that's where it becomes really confusing i think for some right and um and having discernment understanding where my place is and who the true author of evil is too mm-hmm. right makes a huge difference right right because he's not the author of evil and what it like and having a definition of what evil is and what it, what is what what are bad things what is evil and right. you know and and it puts things into perspective so for me well i hear a lot say that for me because <laughs> but it's not it's <laughs> it's not for me right it is um truth stands alone outside of what i think mm-hmm. um but uh but the but evil is is truly the absence of god mm-hmm. it's the it's the absence of good mm-hmm. and 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 then that doesn't make things so distorted when we you know um it's 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 actually the kind of the definition of sin it's missing the mark right right it um And so, you know, money is not evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you remove God from the purpose of money, it can become right. evil. 
Uh, right. Sex is not evil, but sex right. was meant for good. It was made for pleasure and it was made for good in the right. context of how it was created and made for. But when we take God out of the picture, it can become right. evil too. Right. Um, right. So, so I, let me and just... I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I, I think that uh, is, is discernment, being able to take myself out of, out of the picture and see truth that stands alone. Right, and, right. and and apply it. Todd, if you you know if you run out of time here, I would appreciate if you came back. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Sure. So um, this whole idea of discernment and evil um, is a very good conversation. I just want to touch on maybe some of the distorted or the poor images of God that we have. Oh yes. You know, um, you know, I, I a lot of people identify as Christians. Mm-hmm. and have some really strange um, conclusions and, 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 and derivative uh, um, behaviors as a result of this embedded theology of maybe their youth or maybe that they got from, from uh, somebody, some charismatic speaker or teacher. But mm-hmm. some of us have a strange image of God. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quote-unquote Christians that um now i trust todd is coming back i really appreciate his conversation and um i look forward to continuing there he is so so todd we welcome you back and our sound went out for a couple of seconds but i think you're back now yes sir i'm back all right so so what are the, some of the poor images of god that you think i like to i like to to think of this i think that we get introduced to god in a bad way as children yeah. i think that yeah. we get in- introduced to this god who is a god of condemnation mm. yeah i i think um i think that we have a lot of a lot of our, our understanding becomes absolute so mm-hmm. we look at things in a way of um of uh that 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 there's no in between like um he's the judge Mm -hmm. right and and uh are we allowed to judge that's kind of a new thing that everybody says that you know um you're not you can't judge me right Right. and uh and there's some there's some truth to that too right right every every truth is guarded with a, a little bit of lies right sure um and um and so is that true? Well, it's not complete, right? Right. He gives us, we all judge, but we judge what's right and what's wrong. We're given the opportunity to understand and judge good from bad. That's what wisdom is all about, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's coming in under an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And we should all be able to, to assess those things. But you know and, what? We have to... We have to um, uh, if we have to do it in a way, we have to, you know, as we, as we, one of the gifts I mentioned was the gift of teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we bury that gift in the ground and replace it with judgment, judging, right, others, then it's, that's an incomplete process. So we have to be, you know, I might not agree with somebody, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to posture myself in a way that's harmful towards them. 
Oh yeah, exactly. I think communication is is uh, is a lost art. Right. Um, I I think that uh, we should judge. You know, we should be able to judge what is good and, and what is bad. What is good for a marriage? What is bad for a marriage? What is good and healthy for for you to eat? Right. And what is not? Um, we all make judgment calls throughout. You know, throughout life. Right. But um, but at the same time. Um, judging one's salvation is not our place, right? Um, and right. that's a that's a different deal. Now, so I'll not... give you a, I'll give you a practical example, okay? Yeah, I, I'm a I was I'm ordained minister. I've been ordained in the Baptist tradition, and I'm currently one of the things I do. I'm currently serving as a Protestant chaplain in a Jesuit institution, a university. Oh wow! Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Jesuit institution, and which is which is wonderful. Um, uh. So now here's the thing. I, I have my heart goes out to the LGBTQ students mm-hmm. and adults in, in a special kind of way. And I'll tell you what it is. I, um, I don't personally identify as being an LGBTQ person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I believe that 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 is that's I don't want to be the one to push them away from God. No, I agree. You know, so I'm not going to, although, you know, it's no secret that um, uh, organized religion of people of of faith and institutions have often, um, you know, condemned the LGBTQ community and this and that, you know, and speak condemnation and kick them out of the church. I'm like this. Listen, that's between you and God. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not going to be the one uh, to to bring a spirit of condemnation to you because of my doctrinal doctrinal beliefs and my interpretation of the Bible. So what I'm saying is that even when we disagree with the people, we need to learn to be a little bit more um, uh, loving and nurturing towards people so we don't have to harm them in our language. That's what I'm getting I think, um, I think that, that, um, I think that the thing that we that we have to come to an understanding on that is um, is is I think the best parable is the 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 removing the log from your eye first, right? Um, and that um, and understanding that is that it that it's not right. It's not the way God designed things to be and and he didn't design things to be to where i am um that i covet my neighbor's stuff right that he didn't design for me to be um you know uh you know obsessed with sex he didn't design me to like whatever it is you know coveting my neighbor's stuff and and my neighbor's wife and and it's right. all it, it is all equal right, right. in the sight of, of God but where it makes a difference is and we acknowledge that we're all fallen mm-hmm. um, it's and it's coming to an understanding of of really what is the purpose of sin mm-hmm. um, and, and and it's the same thing as what's the purpose of the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. Um the purpose of it is not to 
is not because you could follow the Ten Commandments. It was to point you to a need for salvation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It, it wasn't. It, it. Those weren't. He didn't give us the Ten Commandments because we didn't know right from wrong before that. Right. Right. It was to point you to a need. Uh, it was pointing you're you're lacking in it, and and if we can't see someone from the LGBTQ uh, community to a um, to a God who has come into creation to save them the same as me, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> then we're we're not doing it right, right. So let me ask you a question. And how, how do you think that we can, um, you know, you use the word discernment, and I really like that word. Uh, how do you think that we can avoid or skip out from underneath these poor perceptions of who God is, this image of God, this distorted image of God? Well, some of them, you know, people, people are led to all sorts of things. But how do you think we can um, get out from underneath a poor perception of God, poor image of God? Um, you know, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that is undeniable, um, is, is, is creation. Amen. I think that, um, I mean, there was a coming to an understanding of salvation. There was a coming to an understanding of who God was before before Noah, before Moses, before, before right. any of them at the, at the very beginning. Right. And, and, um, and this whole idea that science doesn't include that or that science doesn't support truth, mm-hmm. um, that we're willing to, that we're willing to base things on a theory, mm-hmm. um, in, in scholastics and we're not basing things on truth. And it's not that we have to be completely absolute, uh, that, that truth is, is from an absolute, but, but it's not based, we're not basing truth on theory. Mm-hmm. And, and now we do. Um, right. There's more, there's more uh, weight in theory than there is in truth. Mm-hmm. And I think the one way to, to bridge that is to remind um, and to um, expose truth in creation. Mm-hmm. Be- because it's undeniable. Certainly is. I-, I can I can take the written word, and um, and I can cut through it as quick as can be, and just say I don't. It was written by a flawed man, so right. I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna stand on the word. Right. But the well, word. A lot of people do that. Yeah, it's the quickest way to be to be able to knock down a- any of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you can't. You can't deny truth. That's for sure. Um, you can't deny. We we can look at things and 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 I think one of the ways to be able to do that. Well, I think one of the ways to reach anybody. It's the same thing that makes us all get rejuvenated when we go off and um, and have a vacation out in in the and out away from the cities and out in the country and and you look up at the stars and you go, "Woe is me." Right. Right. You know, right. it's it's where we get rejuvenated. We get rejuvenated by being in creation, and 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 you see, you see. Todd, he he ran out of time. I hope he's coming back. Um, he was making a, a very a critical point, 
uh, and it's in his observance of, of nature, um, we get to see the glory of God. It's undeniable. And um, we're going to hear more from Todd about his meditation as he reviews, as he gazes upon the glorious splendor of the majesty of God through nature. Yeah, um, it, that becomes undeniable um, when we don't. I think the biggest part about it is writing yourself, writing your mind, right? In, 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 in uh, the observance of creation. Um, so I, I think that's one of the first things is to be able to, um, I think that we, as a people, I, I've, I'm so, so lucky. And this is why I get on, that's why I get on these, on these forums. I'm, I'm outside right now working on my tractor and out, you know, doing whatever. And, and I get on these forums because I, I enjoy, um, hearing a different point of view a lot of times. And, um, and I love sharing my point of view. So my point of view is from being spending a lot of time out in nature and out in creation. And, um, it's, it floors me at times because I can see people walk around and you're in awe of, of the beauty of a, of a painting and the, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, 50 story building it's in town and the, the amount of concrete and windows and construction all around you and you're. Right. We're all in awe of this, you know, little black rectangle that's in your hand and the, 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 the intelligence behind it and, and all of it's, that, that, that it's, that it in hold, it, it beholds. Right. Right. Um, but we walk right by a tree. Right. And pass by photosynthesis that's created, right. made and the beauty and creation, right. the intelligence behind the tree that you're walking by and you look at it as if it's nothing. That right. you're not you're not in awe of the number of stars in the sky and that and you that that you allow that to pass by Amen. and not and are not in awe of right. that. Well Todd um Todd, I will say this that as you're gazing upon the beauty of nature and, and the the handiwork of the artwork of God's creation, um mm -hmm. I would say that that in and of itself is a form of prayer. Yes. So our prayer... So it's a form prayer, of worship too, right? Yes, it is. It is. It is. And it's a form of gratitude. It's a form of, um, uh, of meditation. It's a form of you receiving the revelation or the God self-disclosure through nature. Yeah. By, you know, God speaks to us through nature. And you, as you said, we can pass it by. Um, but to me, what you describe is a form of prayer. And, and your imagination runs with it as, as you gaze upon the beauty of what God has uh, placed around you. And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. So the scriptures are not the only source of, of ways that God can speak to us and get us out from underneath this poor image of God. Um, yes. And that's a good place to start by looking at the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so I, I agree with that 100%. Well, the other thing that I, the way I look at it too, is that um, when I read the written word, my interpretation of it doesn't align with what I see in creation. Right. I'm probably the one that's wrong. Right. 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 That, that, that I'm either 
I'm I'm looking at it through my lens of understanding instead of coming to a, an understanding of truth mm-hmm. because I'm going to look at it and go, you know, of all these things and the beauty in that tree, I think I'm going to worship that tree. Right. And then I look at and I go, well, scripture doesn't say that, that I should worship the created. I should worship the creator. Right. And the same thing goes to, I look at that and I read and I go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And then I go out there and go, I think I'm going to fly. And I go, well, <laughs> that, <laughs> that doesn't quite that just fly might not work. <laughs> that doesn't quite work either. Right. Um, so they, they, one wouldn't contradict the other. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not, um, because if he's not, if he is the God who I think he is, he's, he's not a liar. And, um, and he is, uh, he's going, it's going to align itself with truth. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, again, you know, in our story, we talked about the scripture that I was using. It talks about somebody burying their gifts in the ground. And, yeah. and so, so, uh, and I, I attribute that to this person had a, a poor image of the master. He said he was a, he said he was a hard master. He said that he got, he benefited from work that he didn't do. So he had all of these slanderous accusations against the, the, the master, which I would like to refer to as God in this story. And mm-hmm. um, we do the same thing. We have these crazy um, uh, preconceived notions from our childhood about who God is. And so in order to get out from underneath all of that stuff, I think prayer is a good place to start. And you brought mm-hmm. our attention to one prayer me- method that is very powerful, which is uh, meditating and praying and reflecting on the beauty of nature. Um, we, we know that the scriptures, the scriptures can be a, um, uh, a powerful place for our inspiration. And um, I, I just recommend this for people who are, who are wanting to, to discern who God is and who God is not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's where discernment comes from, is being able to um, take all of that together. And, and truth is where all of those things align to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Um, I, uh, and, and he can use so many different ways of being able to get to and bring us to. I, I, was, brought to, I was brought to a better understanding through the, through, um, the prosperity gospel. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it took me a while to understand that that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily true. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Um, we, we get these theologies that people have put on us and, and they sound good, but you know, it is an old saying that all that glitters ain't gold. <laughs> <laughs> I might be beating what? myself with that one, but it sounds good. Um, it yeah. sounds good, but it's really not. Uh, I never, what I never see, right? I never yeah. see the the um, the the people who are perpetuating a, a process. I mean, of course, there's some truth in it, like you said earlier. God mm-hmm. certainly prospered my life, right? But, yeah. But when getting the bigger car and the bigger house is what the gospel means to you, <coughs> then something um something doesn't line up. Well. Right? You know, something funny. I had uh, 
so I ride, I train horses for a living and I, and I show and compete on horses for a living. So, um, I work for, I work for a lot of people who, um, who have a lot of means and, uh, you don't get horses like that, you know, on the corner and it takes a long time to train them. And so it costs a lot. Um, but, um, I saw a lot of that prosperity right? and, um, and I had one fellow who had prospered greatly, um, right. who had a lot and a lot was given to him. And then he had a time in, in his life where he was really struggling really hard. Um, and he just didn't understand where God was at in that. Right. And he just said, I just don't understand, you know, cause things were going away and the, the, the prosperity was leaving and it right. was bleeding and um and he just said i don't know understand what it is that god's trying to teach me in the middle of taking all this away right and i thought i told him did you ever think that god wasn't the one who gave you that prosperity Mm -hmm. that maybe that that was maybe that was the other Mm -hmm. that was that was given that to you to to lead you away from him Mm mm-hmm um, to put your importance and your thoughts into doing that, because along with great many things, becomes comes along a great many responsibilities. Right. And those become distractions, and they right. can take and deter us from and take us away from actually what is important. Right. So again, you know, going back to that word discernment, um, that is a discerning process. Any so. Oh yeah. So here, so now this guy has all this wealth, right? And but what is it doing for him? It's pulling him away from God. So anything, it doesn't just have to be wealth, but anything that pulls us away from God and leads us to um, despair or the lack of hope or the lack of love or or isolation from community, all and of those things. And that is sin too. Absolutely. This is yes. these are all things that come from the one who is opposed to your well being. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, um, you know, I love horses too. And I I just, if you would come back on, I love horses. My wife loves horses. I don't have a horse, but I'll tell you a quick, fast story. Once I, um, I took my wife up to, um, Saratoga, New York, where, where they had it, they have this, you know, this, uh, special horse, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Saratoga, New York, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we went up to Saratoga and talking about prosperity. We get that I'd never been there before, and I, I I wasn't there to to bet on horses. I was there just because my wife likes horses and we want to see them run. Right? Yeah. And and I sat down. I went to. I said, well, maybe we should get something to eat. And I went to the restaurant, and there was a sign at the door that said it cost two hundred dollars to walk in the door mm. <laughs> without any food. <laughs> And I said, well, I guess this is not me. And I went and I sat down somewhere and somebody came over to me and said, sir, you can't sit there. I said, why not? <laughs> it was in a, you know, it was kind of like a good view of the racetrack and all that stuff. Right. But yeah, yeah. But you know, again, um, prosperity is not the only thing that can draw us away from God. So um, in this process of trying to gather a, a, a healthier image of God, we, we should think about well, where is this leading us? What's the end result? Does it draw right. me away from God or does it draw me closer to God? Does does racism draw me away from God or does it draw me closer to God? Does this, does, you know, um, does is my religion drawing me away from God? 
or is it yes. drawing me closer to God? So we have to be ask ourselves these questions and and um, be discerning about it. I love your introducing the word discernment into the conversation, and and um, and it's in uh, having it in all things, right? You're right. You know, you sound it's, you sound you sound like a very Ignatian. What is that? In, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ignatian spirituality. Ignatian spirituality. Ignatius was the founder of the Jesuit um, uh, community, oh. and 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 he's you know very um, you know the, you hear the Jesuits talk about finding God in all things, and mm -hmm. and and discerning of the discerning of spirits and all that. So some of the language that you use. It's very Ignatian, and I tell I, you know, I work with Jesuits, and, and I often tell tell them that um, a lot of the principles laid out in in the uh, Ignatian spirituality are um, uh, apply across various traditions. You know, so so yeah. when you talk so when you talk about gazing upon nature and, and prayerfully um, discerning things, these are things that um, that you find in Ignatian spirituality. That, that are applicable across faith traditions. I think I, I just want to throw that in there at you. Well, that's very good. I like that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I have come to, um, uh, to have to come to a pretty um, cool understanding of a lot of things. And I think it just becomes, it has a lot to do with the environment that I'm in a lot. Um, but it's also the opportunity to be um, man, I think one of the greatest things about being in nature and around that, they're around creation all the time, is the silence. Mm. Um, it's probably, it's probably one of the greatest things. It's probably one of the greatest gifts that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, um, I, I'm not, I'm, there's a lot of time that I'm not surrounded by, by white noise is what I call it, but it's just, right. I'm not surrounded by the white noise. I'm not, not, I'm, I, I can have time where I'm, I can reflect and I'm not distracted as easily. Right. Um, and, uh, and that really is a blessing. Um, well, somebody once said, well, somebody once said that, um, silence is the language of God. Hmm. And that's very interesting because, you know, I, I was on a retreat, a spiritual retreat, not too long ago, and we were actually studying um, silence, right? And, mm. and, and um, we watched a film where some people were that had never spent time in silence um, be uh, led to go on a, a, a silent retreat for days. And and they were going crazy. <laughs> I was going to say that that can be hard for some. <laughs> that, that can be hard for some. Yeah, yeah, but if you if you think about it, I mean, we get so busy that everything is we we have a tendency to look outward for everything, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, even you know you, you're looking at even when you're looking at nature, you're looking at your Bible, you're looking at other people, right? And when do we ever try to look inward? to to find the presence of god who as christians we believe that god dwells within us right so when do we have when do we take the time to slow down from the busyness of life and and look inward as they say um to to get in touch with the one who made you yeah um i i think one of the greatest learning um 
one of the greatest things that uh, attributes to to and and blessings to be able to learn is is being able to be silent mm. um my dad used to tell me there's a reason why you're given one mouth and two ears that's right you should be listening twice as much as you're talking that's right which wasn't necessarily one of my best attributes but <laughs> um but it uh but it's very true that right. um um a lot of times we're um we're at, you know we should be listening a lot more um mm -hmm. i think i think that is um that is where we find um I, I think it's one thing that we lack in in communication in communicating with um others who are not of the same understanding um because um we probably don't listen to them enough i, I so that we can answer the questions that they do have right um I think it isn't Peter that you know you're you're supposed to you know we, we should be given account for the hope that we have right and um and in in having that um knowing where that hope comes from right. I can't give it to somebody else and explain to somebody else if I'm too busy talking and not listening to what the true root of their question is because right. a lot of times when um uh I think one of the best ones that was uh, one of the best apologetics that I I have ever listened to was Ravi Zacharias. Mm -hmm. And I love the way he kind of styled the way he um uh talked and spoke and um and it was always um when he would do the open forums of listening to people and and right. talking to people he oftentimes the things the questions that they would ask he would go to the root of their question not to the surface part of the question. Right. And and it was such a reflection it was such a reflection of Christ in the way that he did answer everybody too right. um that he went to the root of the question um and and he answered it properly he didn't necessarily fall in a victim to you know what they were trying to pull him into and it's why we're so astounded by the way that he answered so many things um right. is because he he spoke um to the to the root of the real question your your question is not is 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 uh am i going to go to heaven right. if i if i have this sin the root of the right. question is you have sin and it tells you there's a reason and you can't do it yourself there's an answer for that right and and instead of going off a rabbit trail of you know trying to condemn this person or condemn that person right and and i think there's beauty in those answers Right. Sure. Well, you know, again, um, I think that I'm going to sign off now. I want to thank you for coming on and I hope that our paths cross again. And, and you know, um, if you look at um, if you go to the website, www.reverendjstuartglover.com, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I put these conversations up there. Great. Um, and, and they go through, you know, they go through like, you know, Apple and Amazon and iHeartRadio and, and so I'm, I'm, I think this was a good one and I would like yeah. to put it I'd like to put it up so um, um, if you check it out you might be able to hear that yeah um, I'd love to yeah I have, so. I have a, a, a podcast where I actually um, share you know parts of creation and 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 explain things that, um, actually for my children right. um, that I answer them questions on what is truth and and, um, and what is truth and how do we know what truth is and questions like that and well, and uh and I, I yeah I, it, it's you can my website is toddmartin.net 
NFTs, mm. and um, and I have my podcast on there and okay. too. But um, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed doing those. So, well, listen, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, and I uh, I thank you for coming in, and um, I hope again. I said I hope that our uh, paths cross again, and and you know as we. Um, Re, I think it's very important that we took this time today and talk about the images of God because I do believe that it affects how we serve God. Yes. And and God is the the giver of our gifts that enable us and empower us to to serve God and humanity. And um, if we have a distorted view and a distorted image of God, we end up burying our gifts in the ground. So I, I thank you, Todd, for coming on. I think we got to articulate some of that. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, I might be led to do a part two on this subject. Um, again, I would like to thank everybody who's on the, the call. If, um, if you feel like coming on, come on. Um, if not, we're probably going to sign off in a few. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody for being here. I would encourage you to re-examine your image of God and just to take time in prayer, meditation, as Todd uh, gave us wise counsel, um, we can even go outside and look at the stars in the sky and begin to pray and, and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in the, the trees and the water and, and ask God to reveal himself to you through nature, through the word of God, the, the biblical text, the sacred scriptures, and God will speak to you in prayer. And then you can recognize the gifts that God has given you and, and how you can use these gifts to better serve your community, uh, your families, your communities, the places that you live for the betterment of humanity. So with that, I'm going to, um, once again, please visit the website. It's www.revjayystuart.com. S-T-U-A-R-T Glover.com um, and I hope to see you there there's a lot of good stuff on that site I would just offer a prayer and a blessing for all of you who are listening and, and for Todd for participating in this um, discussion I pray that God will continue to watch over you, protect you and guide you, lead you and guide you along your faith journey uh, and it is in the name of Jesus that I offer this prayer Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you next time.